Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. All the time. People in authority, people we respect, our heroes, other names get to tell us what our story is. And it speaks louder than actually what God says our story is. And so we don't actually live our story. And sometimes other things come in that we, we didn't think should be part of our story. And so we're left with, well, how does that work? And so again, we just, I don't, I, don't, I don't like this. And we back out of our story. And we try and explain it in any way that we can understand it. And we try and give meaning and more meaning to the things that don't make sense to us. So we end up with a very disjointed story. So what we're encouraging you today is, um, so Jackie's going to come and speak to us. Now, I was just, I was awake a little bit last night, and at one point I remember, Jackie used to, as I said, be in our council department, and her passion was to see people t- brought into freedom. As the freedom that she, as you'll hear in her story, she discovered in Jesus. But actually her passion was to see the church doing that on a wider scale. So she became amazing at helping people in our church. People would run to Jack in a, on a lady called Irene, and they would run to her because they would find help in them. They'd find hope in them. But actually, Jackie's passion was, but I wish you could find that in the church. Because actually, as we found out, the need was far greater than we could do in our own. Our own. The team of six could not actually see a church free. It needed to go out. And so what Jackie and this team that I've brought with you today have been doing is trying to equip the church to be the people that can listen and pray, bring healing and hope. And she's doing, and this team is doing an amazing job at that. Um, and we're seeing that. And actually, my prayer this last night was that as Jackie speaks to you guys this morning, that what God has anointed and called her to do, you will now receive. Okay, that you will be equipped to be amazing hearers of stories. Also, you will know your own story that gives hope to others. Your unique story that actually will give hope to someone else in your church, but also hope to those people who are not in your church right now. Does that make sense? And we all actually have a mission this morning to go and find what is our story. And many of us actually have got more than one story, and we've got incredible stories. I said to you, all of you, every single one of you, even if you've just known Jesus today, or whether you think, I've just had a, I'm a good person, but actually, I realize, no, I have a story. We all have a story. And that's, that's the challenge this, this morning, is to go and find that. And then we're going to help you to then help listen to each other's story. So we're going to encourage some of you, if you want to, to share your story and see what that means to others and let it be pulled out for you, okay? And that's for the brave. Not everyone has to do that today, but we're going to get in groups and we're going to do that after the break, okay? And then we're going to, I'm going to just share a little bit more about the story, just again, just to reaffirm God's amazing redemptive power. We're going to have lunch. And then this evening, Chris is going to be talking about worship. And one thing we've also found is just the, the, the importance of what we worship. We are what we worship. If we more we worship Jesus, the more like him we become. But the more we worship the worldly things, the more like the world we become. Okay, so we're going to talk a bit about that. And then we're going to really worship and again, I've got some guys here that we would love to be praying for you. We're hoping that, again, within this body as well, that you will prophesy, we will seek God, we will hear God's voice for who you are as a person and who you are as a people. So that's where we're going today. Everyone excited about that? I'm very excited about that. 
So I'm going to quickly pray, and then we're going to get Jackie up, okay? Lord, I, I thank you even now just for the sense of your love and your presence in this place. I thank you every name in this room is precious to you, and that you have sown a seed in every heart that you want to water now, that they would be effective disciples, and that they would become disciples of men and women, baptizing them in your name and in water and in your Holy Spirit and, and reaching a city. And Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. Be with Jackie now. She shares with us, shares her burden and her passion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've yet to work out how you do things three, with three, three hands. I need three hands. Yeah. Anyway. So, I think, first of all, what I'd really like to do is introduce the guys that have come up today and travelled. I started really early this morning, went through the traffic and got here beautifully. So, this is Tracy. Stand up. <laughs> Katie. And then Nigel and Annie, that a lot of people, a lot of you know from New Day. So you'll get to chat a lot in the breaks, if, if we give you any breaks, actually. Like I say, it depends, because you might be really busy. So um, I want to just say, you know, you, last night you heard um, a couple of stories that, um, from Chris and Pete. Bit real, bit kind of, oh my goodness, bit on the edge there. Uh, some of the kind of stuff that they felt, it's been... It's been hard stuff. And you know what? We all, we all get hard stuff, don't we, in our lives. Um, but I just kind of thought this is a real open demonstration of how we can be vulnerable and take the risk of being open with one another. You may be wondering if you could ever feel okay about telling your story in that kind of way. Possibly one that you've never told before that people don't even know about you. Maybe especially if you're the person that people always come to for help because, you know, you kind of got that thing going on and you're the one that ministers to people. Well, anyway, where do we even begin? And what's the point? Well, the point is it's in the telling of our stories that we truly connect with one another. We can easily go through church in a kind of academic way, bumping along like billiard balls, doing a grand job of church, actually. But the reality is, it's in the realness and the honesty of our relationships that God is able to go deeper and work in us and heal the things that stop us from attaining the best, attaining his best for us. It tempts us to hide our real selves, and that thing is shame. And we've heard a bit about that, and we're going to continue to hear about that, because it is shame that stops us in our tracks and stops us reaching the things that he's called us to. We hide. I hid. Now, one pastor told us that um, rather than being billiard balls, how about we be mashed potato? Let's get together. We can be healed and changed as he allows us to come close. Telling our story to others helps us to become vulnerable. And it's okay. It's okay. Our defenses can come down. We don't actually need them because he is our strong tower. So today we're going to ask you to think about your own story. Maybe you've never kind of let your head go there before. How, how do you even convey in a 10-minute snapshot or 
what do you, how does it even start? So I'm going to give you a few tips about how you could begin. I'm going to offer you a few pointers. And I, I, you know, I know that some of you are going to feel okay about that. Some of you are used to that talking about yourself. Others wouldn't even know where to start and you're feeling stuck already. I know that. But I want to reassure you, though, that we all have a story and God is in there. But not, it's not, that's not even the right way around, is it? We're in him. We're in his story. And we need to kind of fully grasp that, that we are part of God's story. He's intended that for us. That's an amazing, miraculous thing, you know. Think where you were called from. So, you know, maybe some of you have been around a while. Um, you feel that God's done just about everything that he could possibly do to, in your life, that you've, you've, been, you've known him for years. And he's done loads and loads of work in you. He's changed you. And you think, what is there anything else? And I just want to reassure you, yeah, there is. (laughs) (laughs) So don't be put off. Do you know that uh, C.S. Lewis in The Last Battle, he says, um, it talks about going, I I hope you love C.S. Lewis. He's one of my favorites. And in The Last Battle in the Narnia series, you you get that point where they're running into heaven and they're just going further up and further in and everything is opening up for them well you know what it never stops you just go further up and you go further in and that will that will continue and even when you get there you're going to keep on learning you're going to keep on learning more about God learn more about yourself others as well it's so exciting so here are some ideas about how to start it might be uh, an idea for you to jot down some notes. I don't know if you've got a pen, paper, notebooks or anything like that or iPad or your phone or something like that. But just to uh, give you some nudges, a few pointers, it, it might, you, some of this might kind of just ping with you. Um, so one, the, if you're kind of stuck, just think, what, what is it that you're going through right now? What's the big thing for you right on the surface right now? Think about that. That's, you could start there. What's going on? And what we're doing in all of this, and when we're talking about stories, is we're looking for meaning. We're looking for the reality of God working in our lives. It's not just um, a narrative. This is something that's deep in us. So there may be facts that are relevant, and some won't be. So it was a stormy night when the ship went down, or um, my dad was a lion tamer. May or may not be relevant. I don't know. But... Being an only child, being a second child, being a middle child, being a final child, or wherever you are in the pecking order, or where you're adopted, or were you fostered, or whatever the situation was, they may be really relevant. So just think about that for a moment. We don't always necessarily know what the most relevant thing is, but it's as you sit and you talk with people who are safe people, And they listen to you and you hear what you're saying and they hear what you're saying and they feed back to you a little bit. You begin to get some clarity about what the real big issues are for you. Do you know something sovereign and wonderful happens in the listening as hearts are joined? And that's what I see over and over and over again. There's something amazing about that connection. So at this point, I just want to say about confidentiality, um, I think I need to stress that 
when you're in a group together and you're listening to one another's stories, um, it's really important that those stories don't go outside of the group, that there will be uh, very safe people in those groups or that you're talking to, and, and they'd be your kind of key person that could decide whether maybe that this is a bit of a big thing or this is a bit of a difficult thing and maybe we need to talk to the pastor or somebody who knows a little bit more. But otherwise, look after one another, guard one another, hold one another's backs, hold that confidentiality. And that's not the same as secrecy. I just want to say that. You need to know the difference. So possible influences that have affected us. Uh, did I do parents? Oh, yeah, parents' history, family dynamics, parental neglect or their expectations could be a big thing. Family hardship is a biggie. They're all biggies. Sibling relationships, past, present, bullying. We hear all sorts of things from different people. Um, words that have left lasting uh, impact on upon us, uh, usually uh, from someone who's authority. I know big stuff happens to us sometimes when kids call us, uh, call us out, name-calling, that kind of thing, or you get bullied. Uh, maybe there's harm that we've done to others as well. Um, that's not so easy to talk about, is it? But I know, that I know that's in my past as well, when I've been a bit spiteful. Um, maybe that's left us with some guilt. We feel a bit kind of dirty about that. And then there's sinful desires and habitual sin patterns. This is something that we see a lot, so much so, over over. With, um, we've done redemption groups now f- since 2011. And um, we were doing them three times a year. When the last couple of years, we've done them twice a year. But... So in all of that time, every single time, there'd be like 40, 50 people in those groups. And the stories that we hear uh, just cover the whole range of the things that I'm talking about. And a lot of times, many people are very stuck in those sinful patterns, the habits. They've got stuck for a very good reason, usually. And there's a lot of stuff that goes kind of underneath that. But So it's about trying to understand why this thing has come about how can we help them break through free? So we've talked about physical injury that may have left us with ongoing difficulties. And then there's emotional trauma, all kinds of uh, stuff. And um, Yeah, why me? Where am I there? Yeah, why does it always happen to me? Why is it always my family? Why is this going on? feeling controlled, the social pain. And then you've got that inability to get beyond world events. You can't believe what happened. The people that got upset about Brexit and then people got upset about Trump and then, you know, current affairs or that, or stuff that's happened and all these people are starving and why does God allow suffering and the big, big questions. It's hard. It's hard. And... This is a funny one. Sometimes, um, even in times of blessing, it can turn into a negative um, as we become prideful or fearful about losing what we've got. And I, and I guess I, I would imagine most of us have been in that place. Um, and that definitely can apply to our ministry. 
We think it's our ministry. This is what I've been called to. This is what I need to do. Why isn't there a space for me? There needs to be a space for me. And actually, you find out in the end, oh, it wasn't my ministry after all. It never was my ministry. Actually, God called me to do this. And it really is God. And he gets to choose what we do. Um, There are defining points in our lives. And uh, we want you to see, too, that the things that have happened to you or things that you do have done are influential. But they're not the things that have to define you. They're really not. Sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes we get labeled or we label ourselves. But actually, what I'm going to say to you is that our pain is not the final authority. He is. God is our final authority. He's the one that has the authority and the power and the amazing grace and the love for us to heal us and bring us through. So believe it, believe it, honestly. We are created for a relationship with God and he changes us as we come closer. We begin to see that whatever has happened and however much someone has been hurt, our Father has got us. Now, so all of us and whatever our experience is can grow closer to him and benefit from being here today. And I heard that earlier in a prayer. I know that you can benefit from being here with one another today and hearing what God's got for you. And not just now, but going forward as well. So I'm going to show you a tool shortly uh, in this session which can help us to tell our story. It's very practical, one that I use an awful lot. And we call it a timeline. Uh, it's a, and it's a kind of record that we're going to create. Each one of us is going to create a record. Um, I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. I want to say to you, um, sometimes you can feel a little bit worried about, oh, I don't know what I'm getting into here. I'm not quite sure I like this. I'm, you know. So I'm going to say be wise. Be wise in how you tell your story. Uh, so to say um, sometimes we can kind of get caught into detail and that's not always the best. So to say that... Uh, I was abused. Um, I, a, a particular illness has left an real impact on me, a trauma. Um, or I've been struggling with a particular sin and naming that sin. Um, that's generally enough detail, actually. Um, and we just need to be a little bit wise. Saying that you've uh, been feeling angry or anxious, uh, overwhelmed, that's good stuff to share as well. Um, What we don't want you to do is traumatise other people with graphic stuff. That's not wise. So, um, And not everybody is trained to hear those kinds of things. But there are some that are. And so we just need to be wise about who those people are. So how do I respond to people's stories? Now that can be a a bit of a tricky one because you think, oh my goodness, I don't know what to say. Here are some ideas. Well, first of all, consider Job. Um, the comforters, so, you know, friends can be pretty bad counsellors, can't they? Uh, you must have done something really terrible, and I think you really need to repent. Or, oh, well, never mind, move on. <laughs> so those are probably not the things to say. Uh, there is a way to get it right. And these are our governing tenets. These are the things that we adhere to. This is about loving people. 
uh, first of all. So showing care to one another, being respectful and interested. It's quite hard, actually, to learn how to focus on someone for an extended length of time. I don't know if some of you will know that. And some of you will find that... Actually, I need to just do the shopping. <laughs> uh, my mind wanders. Or oh, did I put that thing in the oven? Uh, this is about trying to rein your thoughts in and actually being uh, attentive and being with the person. And you always know, don't you, when someone is really with you. You always know when they're not as well, don't you? I remember being in conversations in uh, sometimes with people and they're, and they're talking to you and they say, how are you? And, and then they're going... And you then you've, you've, they've lost you because you know they're not interested. So we want you to be interested in other people. So love. We want you to, before everything else, we want you to love people and get to know them, understand. And, and when we get to the speak part, it's first by asking helpful questions. It's by encouraging that person to explore what it is they've been talking about. And the do part is by offering, we get there eventually, by offering our support, your own insights, working with the person to create a plan, to go forward, that kind of thing. And it's very much about that person taking ownership of the stuff that's happened. So trying hard not to speculate on the possible reasons why this person has got themselves into a terrible mess or whatever, and try not to fix things, because that's also one of our golden rules is we don't run into rush into fix um so often distressing behaviors are caused by distressing circumstances in the past so okay be patient so and telling your story can be quite hard at first i remember the first time i did and i just at blaine went a brain freeze couldn't think afterwards complete trash uh, just uh, just needed space to think so um, it's, it's, it feels quite exposing that first time, but as you'll come to see in a bit, we're going to give you a couple of stories, and um, we're kind of, it's all right, it's okay. We're so ordinary, honestly. I, I'm, I'm just glad that we're not kind of slick about everything, and you get to see our thoughts. Anyway, so... Some of the possible responses you can make to people, if you even don't know what to say, these are quite useful. I hear that's a struggle for you. Oh, I can see that was really difficult. Thanks for sharing that. That kind of thing is so helpful. And can you tell us more if you want them to open up the, the, the subject? Or I noticed that you talked about X. Can you tell us what you meant by that? It's just a helpful way of getting people to talk. Uh, what you don't want to do is that, oh, yeah. Well, when that happened to me, I did da-da-da-da-da. And then suddenly it's all about me. No, uh, don't do that, please. Just uh, try not to bring all of your experience and all of your stuff into a meeting with somebody. Listen to them. Stick with them. So um, it's just... Uh, yeah, we, we don't want you to be quick advice givers with the prescriptions. So stay with the person, what they're experiencing, give them space, affirm them. This is all I try. Honestly, what Steve said was right. Actually, I've got quite a passion for 
uh, equipping the church. And I just want to see armies of people who know how to be with people, who know how to come alongside and walk with them for a while. That's the that's being journeymen together is just so important, so key. You know, we're, we're only here for a short time, aren't we? But to mobilize the church in such a way that they just become so good at coming alongside, that's how we're going to heal our communities. That's how we're going to be that that voice and the power of God in our communities. That's that's what burns in me. Anyway, <laughs> so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little bit of my story. Um, just give me a moment. There we go. Hey, The Amazon shopping is never done. <laughs> so, so you know. <laughs> Um, I I have lost. Uh, I it's all right. We'll we'll be fine. Yeah. I t- so I'm a child of the fifties, and so I was a teenager in the sixties. But that meant that my dad was in the war in the forties, and he was in the bomb disposal squad, and which meant that he saw some pretty nasty stuff. It affected him badly, and uh, but his kids, I was the I was the youngest. His kids didn't know about that and it didn't seem important to the kids all they knew is that dad was a very angry man and uh, and he would shout and he would lash out and that's all we knew about him and the only time we got a nod of approval was if we did okay at school so I did try to do okay at school and get an A because that meant peace so the atmosphere at home was always pretty heavy it was a very depressed household um um it's just the way it was. I didn't know any different. My mum, uh, she was always very unwell. She was a tiny lady, four foot eleven, and, but uh, as she, um, she was quite anxious person, and uh, she ended up uh, with anxiety based illnesses that we had no names for whatsoever. She was anorexic and she was agoraphobic. She only ever went out in the evening uh, when nobody was around. And then eventually she was also a chain smoker and she died at the age of 60 from multiple heart attacks because she was so weak. So that was, that was the kind of setting. But we loved her. She was just a sweet lady, but she's a little bit lost. Um, by the time I was six, I truly hated my dad passionately hated my dad and I vowed that I would never ever be as weak as my mum and um, so interestingly I never did drugs when I was a teenager because that would have been weak and it was not okay to be weak so that's that was my motivation and with no understanding of boundaries at all because you didn't talk about that stuff on there was a big row in my house when I was 14 Uh, I began to drink and I began to smoke and by the time I was 16, I was pregnant. I married the dad because there was no way I was going to let a baby grow up in my dad's house. So um, it was a little bit out of the frying pan into the fire because actually the guy that I'd got together with had a passion for knives. He had a sex addiction and he never worked. So we experienced great poverty. We were homeless. And the first night began a nightmare of uh, serial rape And that went on for a number of years. Um, What happened to me in that 
was my brain was invaded by uh, sexual images and sorts of nasty stuff in my head, which was hard to kind of live with. But uh, at 17, I became a Christian, met God, truly amazing, supernatural experience, great relief on the one hand, the major, majorly a great relief, but there was that sense of real guilt about the way that I was and shame. And so what happened was my way of handling all of this was to become a quite a bit of an icy tower. I needed to manage, I needed to be strong, etc., etc. And statistics tell us that actually women or guys who are in abusive relationships won't leave until there have been several instances, several events. And it could take five years before they ever do that. Um, I was a statistic at that time. So by 21, I snuck out, I left the home, took the kids and then got divorced. Um, I was pretty damaged. But my determination was to create a safe space for my kids. When you think about the exodus of the Israelites, it was as if I'd been taken out of Egypt. I, w- I, he, I, I had escaped and uh, God had rescued me. And then about five years later, I met Pete. Pete was not that other guy. Pete was an entirely different prospect. And Pete... Uh, as you heard from him, you heard his story. Uh, we married, we had a third child, and we were in a great, safe, great, safe church. It was great, but then God started to work on me and get to the to get to the nub of things. And um, I hadn't really understood that, although I'd been taken out of Egypt, Egypt was still in me. There was still stuff in me. And that's so true of the Israelites, it was true of me, and it's true of all of us, that we, get, we come out of a situation, but it's still in us. And my journey to health meant truly forgiving all of the people that had used, abused, and all of that stuff. And this was not just that thing that you do when you get saved, when you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgive everybody. Of course I do, because that's a good Christian thing to do. This was much more agonizing, Um, and then to truly understand how hard my heart had got that was that was awful actually the the battle for the mind is the biggest battle that you will ever do ever but it's worth it You know, it felt so wrong at the time that I was the one that was needing to do this agonizing work with God and needed to clean up and other people had got away with it. That's what it seemed like. The reality was that because of what I'd gotten into, because of where I'd gone, I had been pulled into a muddy, slimy pit and I had got muddy and slimy. And that's just the way it is. And God wants us clean. And so if you remember uh, Psalm 40... It talks about being lifted out of the pit, lifted out of the miry clay. In Hebrews 10, 22, it talks about being washed clean with pure, clean living water, sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Those are living words from God. He washed away my guilty conscience, but I, I seriously had to work. So he taught me how to forgive, delivered me from dark evil, I saw a vision of myself standing in a river with black tar being torn away from my skin. 
that was very graphic and it was very real for me. And I realized at that moment that God was really doing the work. He was making me clean after all of that grubbiness. The, what had happened to me, so I'd kind of come to believe that I needed to be strong like a guy. The only way to survive in this world was to be strong and stoic and to make sure you push through and to be quite aggressive about that and not to be soft and wimpy. I came to see that that was my idolatry, that actually that wasn't okay. That is not what God made me for. And um, to be as strong as a man, what? <laughs> no, it was really ugly and it was my idol and I needed it to be toppled. So um, I realised God showed me that I had murder in my heart, actually, the, the behind all of that, I was really, really angry, and that all of those things that had been done and that had happened over the years, there were people that I could have murdered. I could have chopped them into small bits and chucked them over the cliff. That kind of realization, when you realize that you could have been that person that was standing at the foot of the cross and going kill him, that could have been me, and that's shocking, shocking. It's awful, isn't it, to realise. But that was my realisation. That was my tipping point in my redemption moment, really, when the biggest part of my Egypt was wiped out finally and I could experience God and freedom from shame. And Galatians 2.20 captures it. I'm crucified with Christ. But somehow, miraculously... By his great grace, I'm alive. What? (laughs) Then his spirit is in me. It was galling to know how far I'd fallen and how much I'd offended God in it all. And and that would hurt him, really. And then he stands there offering hope and healing. Oh, my goodness. He took my sin and shame, my guilt, my murderous angry heart, my unforgiveness, my pride... My weakness, it took it all on himself. Wow. And I'm alive and my future is secure only because of him, because of what he's done. There is no other escape. The only way is by surrender. And that is his undeserved, unmerited, unlimited grace to us. He is so kind. He is so kind to you. Each one of us is a story. Each one of us. It's amazing. You are amazing. Amazing. Are you going to hear some stories from different ones of us? And Christine is going to come and tell you her story again, very different. And uh, then after that, I'm going to come back and explain timelines to you. Thanks. William. You can see what a blessing Jackie is to so many. Thank you, Jackie. And my prayer is that um, as you hear our stories today, that faith will arise in your heart. If God can do it for them, he can do it for you. And I know he can. So talking about our past can be painful because it makes us relive what happened to us. Each of us, however ordinary we might feel, needs to see ourselves as irreplaceable in God's story. 
What God's doing is he's getting us to fit into his story, not us getting him to fit into our story. Now, God has kept and guided and supported and brought, brought me through some exciting adventures, some horrific situations, but he's always been there for me, and I'm so grateful for that. I was born into a Christian family. I'm the third of seven children. My father was very on fire for God. He owned a Christian bookshop. He served churches. He preached. He led the worship. I had a wonderful mother um, who was orphaned, um, very young, but missionaries from Hebrides revival moved right next door to her house, and um, she became a Christian And she loved God. She was a wonderful mother. And each night she'd come to each of us and read and pray. And for that, I'm so grateful. So encouraging to all you mums and dads, make time. Read and pray with your children because they need to know God in order to make him known. From an early age, I knew God had called me to the mission field. My mother always said of me, I was the only one who absolutely knew I was trained to be a nurse and I was going to Africa. used to have African babies all around my mirror. <laughs> Loved them, still do. But like many of you, I've experienced trauma, hurts and challenges. Unjust suffering in life, and that can be hard to understand, can't it? We lived opposite a park and played out with our friends. That's what kids did most of the time when we were growing up. Now, I was at junior school age when I was abducted with my friends. Now, we were totally unaware of stranger danger. Now children have a lot more um, teaching, perhaps. In church, we're taught to trust and obey, aren't we? So totally unaware when people come along and pretend to be nice to us. Miraculously, out in the countryside, we were eventually released to walk back across fields and back home. And if you know how easily I can get lost down a straight street, that's a miracle in itself that I ever found home. (laughs) We were late. I was totally unable to say what had happened. And also, there wasn't the opportunity to be listened to And that meant punishment. I always find it hard talking about this next bit because my father was a very pastoral, not... um, He wasn't a harsh man. He just wasn't. But we were disciplined. I guess that's how you keep seven children in line, you know, and have some kind of order in the home. And also was his um, belief. And, of course... That meant punishment for me. And that meant that I completely, from that day, blocked out what has happened. It's like a tremendous accident, isn't it? When people, you come numb, and there's a kind of blocking out of the trauma in order to cope. Rules were to be obeyed. No church should be a safe place. But sadly, also, I experienced some inappropriate behavior here. We have a very real enemy, don't we? 
pain is not buried dead in us. It's buried deep into our subconscious. And I didn't share that with anyone until I was 19. But you know, I'd always been aware that God had saved my life for a purpose. I've always known that deep in my heart that I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for God. We have a very real enemy who comes to kill and destroy. One of the challenges just two weeks ago, I was in the States visiting family there, and my granddaughter shared with me, her mother was there too, that she'd been chased. She was out running, like many of you here, I know, who like to run and keep, keep healthy. Not looking at anybody in the front. And she was out running, and she was chased by a man on a bicycle. And she said if she knew an evil came up beside her, and she just heard the words, run. She knew she couldn't outrun him. But she saw somebody in the distance and she ran towards him and then phoned the police. And I'm sitting there and it, makes, it takes you back, doesn't it, when something like that happens. And then later, my daughter's phone um, started beeping and it came, Amber Alert, Amber Alert. She said, what's that? And then my phone started. And I thought, I'm in America, you know, Amber Alert. And then it came up abduction in Virginia um, and it was the evidently the telephone just lets everybody know that that's going on because that that caused me some disquiet but I thought now don't go back into your default position of fear and Bethany then had when she'd been talking to me she said I've had to make a choice that I will not be ruled by fear, that I will trust God. And I thought, thank you. And often I need to do this because I'd, I'm only learning how to process stuff with God. Even now, I need time to process. I, I said to myself, that's right, don't go back into fear. God has protected her. Perhaps that situation will make her wise because she said, I must learn that when I'm out running, I don't go out on a day where there's not people away around and, um, you know, when there's not people in the park or the weather's bad. So sometimes when we look at things from God's point of view, it turns it around from staying in, back in that fear of, oh, no, God, not again, as to thank you, God, if you're equipping her for life and you saved her. So that's what I, I'm still learning. I trained at Mildmay Mission Hospital, which was a hospital that sent people abroad in the London hospital. And I married Chris 50 years ago, Whoa. 1967. Whoa. <laughs> and did midwifery in a Jewish maternity hospital when I was first married. And um, from there, um, we adopted our first child, followed quickly by three of our own children, <laughs> Our youngest has a learning, um, a hearing difficulty. And as Chris shared last night, we were led by God in 1973, our little family to sits to, get off, to go off to North Africa. i just repeat that bit for those of you that perhaps didn't hear it. So all our worldly goods packed into a much-loved VW van, and off we went. And, yeah, 
It started off a bit of a nightmare. Because <laughs> I had four under five to try and control on the ship. Chris couldn't get up off the bunk, had to get the doctor to him. And um, my oldest child, he had a bunk bed, fell off. Um, my oldest child fell off the bunk bed onto the bassinet, onto the baby. All sorts of wonderful things. This was us going off to serve God. <laughs> yeah, we were going to minister to young people who, um, at that time, and it's, there's still a trail across from Amsterdam to Morocco, Turkey, all those places, and landed themselves in trouble. We were going to North African Mission Hospital Compound in Tangiers. And from being a very small team, we had 50 other of these lovely folks come and all live with us. <laughs> so, and it was very ch challenging. Sometimes, uh, you know, when you step out in faith to do what's right, circumstances can become quite a, a nightmare. Um, if you think what it was like coming out of Egypt for the children of Israel, their children all strapped to them and everything else they owned and the heat and... God protected them, didn't he? And that's the big lesson of the story. Uh, the program was very rigid. We did see some amazing salvations and deliverances. All had to participate. For undisciplined lives, very helpful. <laughs> These kids had just been living on the beach and smoking dope or whatever. For a nursing mother with three children tough would have been an understatement. And I felt just to put this in, you know, spiritual abuse is something that all of us who have responsibility for other lives need to be aware of. Often when um, we have, God uses people with powerful personalities, but remember not to beat others up with that gift. Sometimes abuse may not be intended by godly leaders. Out of insecurity, they become autocratic, domineering, and controlling. And it took me quite a while to get over that experience. But like Jackie, I learned to forgive. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit that comes and helps us to see it and uh, pray for those that hurt us. My past experience will always be part of who I am, but it is also the means by which I'm continuing to learn the height and depths of God's love. And I want to just put the diagram up. Um, I just want to use this diagram because it's something that helped me. Um, just to show you, They, our lives have to be measured up by God's word. And Amos 7, verse 7, this is what he said, this is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside me, beside a, a wall, and built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. God wants our lives to be built straight. So all these things that we build to support us when we go through these traumas, God comes along, and that's what redemption does, doesn't it? It comes along and shows us no longer to be children of fear and all the other things. 
And the Lord asked Amos what he saw, and he said, a plumb line. You can look at it, can't you? Yeah, I understand plumb line, nice and straight. God said he was setting a plumb line for standard for his people because it's freedom. <laughs> and um, I just had, God spoke a word for me just to give to all of you today. And uh, the word was the, the um, threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor is symbolic of a significant encounter with God. And I just want to encourage you that God wants for each one of you, as this weekend, a significant encounter with him. It can be revelation. <laughs> perhaps it's um, dealing with mourning. It can be perhaps repentance. It can be about testing. <laughs> or it can be coming to terms with something. But in the threshing floor, it's where the wheat is separated from the shaft. And that's what helps us to line up with um, God's plumb line. Uh, abuse may be the reason why the bricks were not built straight in my life. However, I can see how it shaped my responses. And the good news is that I do not have to let it or use the excuse to stay that way. Each crooked brick had a name of them. I felt God made me stop and just put a name on them. They were all crooked. And so I had to face fear. <laughs> Self-pity. Why me, God? <laughs> Confused, not understanding. And then victim mentality. That's been a big one because, you know, often when bad things happen to us, it's like we wear that around our neck and the enemy tries to keep us as victims. Oversensitivity. Shame. It's a big one. Guilt. Poor self-image. Oh, loads of things. I'm not sure the wall was quite built high or crooked enough for the amounts of bits that I've put down. Definitely nervous and anxious. You know, not all temperaments act the same way. An aggressive temperament may determine... No one's going to hurt me again. And they take control and dominate. But this is the way that happened. You know, it's so easy to face the truth, isn't it, about someone else. But it can be emotionally painful to face the truth about ourselves and our behavior. I'm a work in progress. I need God's word ongoingly in my life as a plumb line to keep me walking straight in freedom, as you will see even as I shared the story of two weeks ago. Proverbs talks about us all gaining understanding, and I trust that's what you're gaining from this weekend. And um, I'm endeavouring to set the setbacks and the attacks of the enemy into springboards to help others. And that's why um, we love the people we see and has given us a lot more understanding too for others. Because God wants whole people, whole families, and whole church. Now, I wish I could tell you the bricks in my life were all perfectly straight, all sorted. But I know that it's a walk by walk, day by day with God, just dealing with things. And I felt this morning again, I had a good dad, but he wasn't a perfect dad. 
But you know, I do have a perfect dad. And when he shows me things, I actually feel, you're right. He doesn't push me under. He lifts me up. He doesn't say, not still doing that. I thought we dealt with that. He's so understanding. And so I encourage you, he's not like our fathers. He's a perfect dad. And we're his beloved children. Um, this is the practical bit. And uh, before I say that, I just, got, I just want to recommend a couple of books that um, are really helpful about shame. Um, that Ed, uh, Ed Welsh is a brilliant writer, just makes it very accessible, very easy to understand. And uh, so that's Shame Interrupted. And then there's another one, which is an old standard, actually, Healing the Shame That Binds You, and that's by John Bradshaw. And there was the other one you've got. It's great. He's just reading it. <laughs> it's a great title. The Soul of Shame. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Soul of Shame. Personal. Okay. Um, I'm going to just very briefly help you just to kind of get, get your head around what a, what a timeline is. Um, but I do have a book here. If you ever wanted to get by one that sort of explains it more fully, if you got into this and felt like you wanted to know more, there's a book called The Healing Timeline. It's by Catherine Thorne, M.A., who is a Christian, and uh, God's shalom for the past, present, and future. So that's very helpful. Um, what we're going to do, uh, this is an exercise that's designed to help you join up some dots in your life, in your history, and to think about the significant events that have shaped you and may be impacting on you today. So what we're, each of us will do, uh, over here we've got a ream, and here's my lovely assistant, of A4 paper, and you'll take a few sheets, so the older you are, the more sheets you'll need. <laughs> uh, some of us, when we go home, we use a roll of wallpaper. <laughs> um, and you can take some together, and then you'll take those off, and you'll go away into a lovely private little space with your coffee, etc., tea, etc. Get a bit of time on your own and start to, to put some things down on paper. So what you do is you get a, a sheet of A4 paper and uh, turn it sideways, draw a line down the centre, just like on the diagram, section off parts of that line, um, starting from birth, going through to your current age, and just note any significant events around or during your birth, maybe you know something about that if it was a bit traumatic. Plot the significant events of your life, uh, went to school, had a shocking time, joined a lovely club, someone died, all of those kinds of things. Um, and then uh, occasionally uh, you might find that you experience an event as both happy and sad, in which case you can do a dot above and below. Um, so the, the worse it is, the worse the situation was, the deeper, lower down the dot goes, the, the most more wonderful it is, the higher above the line. And then you join all the dots up and make a graph. Um, sometimes people get creative and add all sorts of pictures or drawings or other things that illustrate, and you can get very creative if you're that kind of a person. Um, Katie's a very creative person. If you ever 
Uh, find her blog. How do we find your blog? Draw Close blog. Absolutely brilliant and very inspiring, and she's a brilliant artist. So there you go. So this, uh, so so we've got draw a timeline, uh, draw the lines, start from zero through to current, pinpoint major memories, note in the couple of words, draw in the dots, and some people prefer to be creatively. So you might want to draw a mode roadmap or anything else. Just uh, just make it clear. Go back. Just, just for Pauline. <laughs> it's worth, t- take a picture. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it gets a bit tricky to complete the task on your own and you might want a little bit of a kind of help. Sometimes we have to ask somebody, uh, uh, mum <laughs> or someone who, you know... Um, Sometimes we can't remember things, and that's quite common. And it's as you start to kind of think about it, and you sit with God, that God's bring things up, the most important things. However, some people really enjoy joining up the dots of their life and seeing it all make sense. Oh, that's what happens, of course. So it's, it's a wonderful thing, um, and to see what the journey is, is a brilliant thing. So um, how should we do this? I think... Timing-wise, um, just trying to work this out in my head. So I think what we will have to do, I'm sorry, but is if we can do a bit of a working break. What I suggest you do, I know it's outrageous, isn't it? But, um, yeah, we, I did promise lunch, didn't I? And, and Jackie did say we might have to work you harder. So, but I really think this is a really important, and this is something that I really wanted to give at least half an hour to, and we've lost half an hour, really. So I think ideally what you should do is take the paper and pens, and go get your coffee and tea and then go and find somewhere for yourself to have a time with God rather than with your friends. This is a lunch where you're going to go and have time with God and you sit down, you drink your drink and you write your timeline. Okay, and then if we can all be back in here, um, let's, say, let's, say, let's say 12, yeah, because then what we're going to do is we're going to back in here at 12 o'clock, is that all right? And we're going to get into groups. And now Owen and Phil are hopefully going to help me put you into groups. Yeah. And we're going to get into little circles. We might have to change chairs and put them in little circles of eight or ten. And then we're going to come into sitting groups. And then we're just going to encourage some people just to share their story. And we're going to also model how do you respond to some of these stories. So some of you will really want to share your timeline. Because actually it's, it's amazing. Or actually you've just been like, I didn't realize this. Does that make sense? Because God's going to be in this. And then we're going to do that. Is that, is that all very clear? Makes sense? Great. And then... I will just speak at the end about a little bit on redemption. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.